0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Feeling Good Sometimes podcast. This is your host, Allie Duff. And today we have the honor of having a conversation with Brittany McLean. So Brittany McLean is a two-time Olympian. She is a competitive athlete, obviously, an olympic swimmer and so much more than that and in this episode we kind of talk about what it was like for her growing up and then also we kind of go behind the scenes of what mental health is like with olympic athletes and kind of the highs and lows of being in a support uh, in a sport that is super demanding and very individualized. So I hope you love today's episode and I'm very excited for you to hear this conversation and kind of hear, go behind the scenes of what it's like to be an Olympian. So here is Brittany McLean. Hey, Brittany, welcome to the Feeling Good Sometimes podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So every episode starts with me asking how you're feeling. So how are you feeling today or right now? Or Ooh, I feel like I could
1: take that two ways. Like in this exact moment, I am good. I just had a good workout and then I showered. So I feel like refreshed. Um, yeah. So that's always a nice feeling. But yeah, it's kind of one of those weeks where I have a more quiet week, but then the next couple weeks coming up are really busy. So it's like emotionally, um, as I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, it's like letting yourself enjoy the quiet without like trying to plan for the chaos. Mm-hmm. In the sense. So um trying to give myself grace this week and not going uh, too hard when I don't have to and then yeah. let the chaos when it does but yeah it's been a good week so far and
0: overall I'd say I'm doing well nice yeah you can easily be like oh I'm great okay move on (laughs) and it's really yeah and most people will relate that when you have a slower week you feel like you should be doing more even though you know like yeah like you said the next couple of weeks are gonna be busier for you but there's kind of like that guilt like oh I have like this free time I should be filling it with something instead of just being like it's okay to chill because I know like next week's gonna be exhaust me a little bit and I'm going to need some extra downtime. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will be able to relate with that. Um, So I'm going to just like share a little story about something I remember about you before we go into talking. And this is when I'm going to guess I was like 12. Um, We were at, I think it was like age group nationals. Is that what the meet was called? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I remember you talking with your dad and you were like really upset because you weren't swimming well. I just remember your dad being like, don't worry, like your time will come. And for some reason, I've never forgotten about that. And then as you just like became a better athlete and fast and faster, like I always just remembered that. I don't know if you, you probably don't remember that because it probably like, but I just remember because your dad used to referee, right? Like he, he did something on deck
1: he was around the pool deck for a while. Yeah. And it honestly wouldn't surprise me because if I remember one of the meets it could have been, uh, was a Calgary. Yeah. It was Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. So then that was like the first meet. It's funny you mentioned that because that was the first competition where I like, you know, as a young kid, you're just like progressing and doing well. And I kind of got hit with the reality of like, it's not all going to be that smooth. And I think Mm -hmm. I it was the first one where I'd set like expectations on myself. And Mm -hmm. then failed what I considered the expectation. So it's funny you mentioned that one, but I could pinpoint the meat probably. And um, I mean, my parents' support was constant and and one of the things I appreciated most. So I definitely don't remember that exact moment, but I remember the competition and I do remember being like really hard on myself initially. And then um, big picture, like
0: it uh didn't have anything to do with the level of success I achieved later but in the time it felt like the world was coming that's how it felt with it so like for some context for people listening um Brittany is I don't want to say was because I feel like you still are like one of Canada's top female swimmers I don't have all your stats but I'm sure you have like a bajillion records a bajillion medals you went to two Olympic games um But we're not really going to talk about your stats or kind of like what people saw from the outside. We're really going to get into the nitty gritty of especially what it's like being a swimmer and being a swimmer for a majority of your life, especially growing up. Because how long did you swim for like competitively?
1: Yeah, I started, I would say like between seven and eight, I think competitively. And then
0: I retired at 22. So okay math backwards about 14, 15 years. Yeah. I think I was like 12 years. I think I started at nine and finished at 21 maybe. Yeah. Um. So Brittany and I used to swim against each other. Um. So that's how I know Brittany. And obviously I was not at her level at all. But <laughs> we did see we were each were a other.
1: Very, you were a very strong age group swimmer. We got to race quite a lot in yeah. the, Nepean, the Nepean pool and the Etobicoke Olympium and yeah, all of the local a Ontario.
0: Cool. A lot of, yeah, so, yeah, a lot of Ontario, we knew each other from swimming in Ontario. Um, yeah, so what was, like, what was growing up for you, like, being a swimmer and then becoming one of the top swimmers?
1: Yeah, um, I always say, like, it, it definitely wasn't any, like, magic potion that I was, like, mm-hmm. destined for success or anything. I was a local kid. My parents put me in all the sports, Um that's usually one of the first questions. Like, did your parents swim or uh, definitely definitely not? Um, My mom was one of those like all around athletes that did a bit of everything and um, similar with my dad, actually. So it was important to them that we try sports and it's something I'm grateful for just because, you know, as much as you see the success in the one sport that I excelled in, there was failure in in another 10 or 20 that I gave a try that I wasn't very good at. So um, but yeah, I loved playing sports. I did, um, hockey and soccer, even all the way up until midway through high school, I think just like house league once a week for fun. It was like yeah. my little, a little emotional escape in a sense of like yeah. putting pressure on myself. Right. Um, but yeah, I was pretty, uh, at a high level was swimming pretty early about 10 or 11. I already, you know, was going to provincials and achieving success. And I had an older sister in the sport, um, mm-hmm. uh, two years older. So she was kind of the person I always looked up to and wanted to be like, Um, I was really grateful to have her throughout my journey, just because it was really nice to have someone who understood it as much as I am very grateful that my parents in a way didn't understand it because the last thing I think I would have needed was someone that was you know, on the sidelines trying to coach me or, uh, mm-hmm. add pressure. Cause I think we put enough pressure on ourselves. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but I would just literally join the local club team. Like the, that happened to be down the street and closest to my house. And it ended up having, uh, multiple Olympians come through it before me. And I got to add my name to that list by the end of high school. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I had huge dreams at a pretty young age. I have like one of my grade three or four year books. It said like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I just wrote Olympian. And part of that, honestly, is because I never knew what I wanted to do. And I still don't really. (laughs) But the other part, obviously, is that I saw this dream pretty young. And so I devoted most of my life to it. Um, But yeah, up until my first games at the end of high school and my
0: second games was at the end of university. So I also was a nice age to... yeah Yeah, that was like perfect ages and like so many young swimmers put like they want to be like i for sure was like oh yeah i want to go to the olympics like everyone says that when they're like yeah what's grade three four like eight nine Mm ten around the age group um but not everyone obviously makes it to the olympics um so that's Obviously an amazing accomplishment. Um, and you also went to a top division one school as well. Yeah. Yep.
1: Proud George Bulldog. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you um around this time of the year, like February, March, feel yeah, I I do too. And it's so weird. Like you're just like, oh, remember like now it's so long ago. Like, what are we in 2023? So my last swimming year was 2014, I think yeah yeah um, so, so I, almost 10 years ago
1: <laughs> yeah I just yesterday was like going through memories on my phone and my like senior year NCAAs was like I still joke that I want to write a book or make a movie about it but we were this like underdog team that was destined to maybe come top five if that and um we ended up winning the meet on the last relay on the last night and it was one mm-hmm. of those like couldn't have drafted it any better and so yeah I was on the four by 100 freestyle relay, which I don't expect anyone listening to know that. But in theory, yeah. it was an event that let's just call it wasn't one of my stronger ones. Right. So um, it was, it was incredible. And I that one sticks out to me so vividly. And it feels like yesterday. And then I saw it pop up and it said like seven years ago. And I'm like, Oh, my goodness. So in one sense, I am constantly I mean I still work in sports so I'm like kind of keeping yeah. up with it anyway but I checked like I was trying to download the stream tens last week and give my computer like a major um, virus in the meantime yeah. but <laughs> I just ha- I still have this a little bit of an addiction um, to be to watch it I love the power of sport and so getting to watch I don't know the team's got And NCAA sport is just another level too so Mm -hmm. yeah I I love keeping up with it and I definitely I don't I'll be very honest I don't miss swimming 99% of the days but when I watch that meet for some reason it gets me.
0: (laughs) Yeah it's like that it's the adrenaline part of it I think like in the part like sometimes when I work out too I'm like oh it's like you almost feel like you have. Well, it's like your purpose, right? That's your like higher purpose that you're always working towards. Like you're always trying to better yourself. And the thing with swimming is it's such an individualized sport that there's good components to it and also really tough. I don't want to say bad, but like harder components to it that most people don't recognize unless they're in the sport like they don't see the amount of hours you have to put in weekly and how you can't really take any time off or the amount of pressure you put on yourself or what the mental fatigue is and how your body has to be kind of like physically in shape but the part that gets left behind is the mental part of it and there's now like starting to become more talk about mental health when it comes to athletes and especially um, Olympians but it starts really young like I can remember from the age of I don't know like 11 of 12 not I think maybe 11 I didn't make provincials and I was like my world was done like I was done mm-hmm. I was like I'm heartbroken like mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely over like life is over and that's where you learn like you're always achieving the next thing right and I'm curious what it was like for you When you were going through all these steps and obviously you're making more national teams, you're getting to the Olympics at the age of how old were you? 16, 17?
1: Uh, No, 17. I was, I was actually 18 by the time I went to games because I have an early birthday. So yeah, I was finishing up my grade 12 year, which would have put me at 18. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is really young still. Totally. Well, now
1: it's not even that young. I know I was going to say (laughs) now like
0: kids are getting younger and younger. Like everyone's just so freaking fast and then they're done so early. But like back then that was young for making the games.
1: Right. Totally. And I think like um, I was lucky in high school. And one thing I'm like really passionate about is keeping athletes in school. And it's not necessarily like I wasn't a massive academic or anything. I had a mm-hmm. mom that was a teacher and I I really was motivated. I I kind of always knew I wanted to go in civil A. And one of the reasons why I loved that concept is because you were a full time student when you were an athlete. And I never was a professional athlete so I don't know what it would have been like but I think right. it was, I, I'm grateful that I had kind of a distraction and mm-hmm. constantly having something else that I needed to also uh check off the box which is maybe yeah. one of the things that I am not very good at balancing my life nowadays but yeah um yeah it was it was a journey for sure and I was fortunate to be surrounded by incredible people um I had parents that were very supportive like I said having my sister in the sport was really nice because some days it was, you know, we'd come home and, you know, one of us is bragging about a set we did or the practice we had. And then another night, um, it was kind of a nod and understand, like, I just need my sister tonight and I don't need, you know, my sister, the swimmer tonight. So uh, I think that was really nice to be able to go like back and forth and kind of read each other's needs. Um, although I can maturely say that now, I don't know if I really realized that's what was happening when I was younger. it was really it was something that I never took for granted, and she was an exceptional part of my career in supporting me. And those that don't have the context on the call, my sister was like growing up definitely the star uh, before I ever was, and then there was mm-hmm. a time in her career where I did surpass her, and and it could be very easy for someone to kind of um, struggle. I guess just in general struggle with that situation. Yeah. How, do you, how do you manage as the older sister when your younger sister is doing? Um, I mean, to put it very lightly, a little bit better than you. And, and what yeah. does that look like? And so, but there was never a sense of a lack of support. She um, she put her all into cheering for me and and rooting for me. And I mean, it was storybook, but we got to qualify for our first Olympics uh-huh. together. I remember that. And uh, that was after really cool. that, honestly, I think it was like a weight lifted, not only off my parents' shoulders, but the fact that we both achieved that dream, um, and we could do it for, for a while and, and have that for life is you're an Olympian for life.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I think that alleviated a lot of the weight, I guess, if, if she hadn't have qualified or if one of us hadn't have qualified, then the next four years may have looked a little different, right. but, yeah. um, she traveled the world supporting me. And so I always had that, but yeah, my, my swim friends were my best friends. My coaches were people I looked up to and, and, um, always wanted to make proud. I was really fortunate with the environment as well at the University of Georgia. Um, but yeah, taking care of myself, my body. I was riddled with injuries as at a young age. Um, but I think it made me tougher. It made me aware of how much I, how badly I wanted to succeed. And and you know, anyone that's been on the sidelines for any sport understands that it, it gives you a new motivation of okay, either this is not worth it to me or this is something i'm going to devote my all to and mm-hmm. i kinda, i took the ladder and i have my entire life struggled with my mental health in different facets so um you know therapy wasn't uh, a new concept to me by the time i hit high school and mm-hmm. most people um and university kind of in the ages where people might be more opening to have those conversations i um i had been through different phases of, of working on myself. And what I didn't even probably realize at the time was, you know, a deep dive into my mental health. And so Mm -hmm. all of those, all those small steps, I think helps me in the long run. Um, But I also, I retired at 22, which for some people is an incredibly young age to leave a sport when you're successful. So yeah, I think I was able to leave on the terms, on my own terms, which I'm very grateful for. And it's one of the reasons why I stayed very connected to the sport, Mm -hmm. but it is, it is nice seeing athletes now, um, able to go into, you know, longer professional careers and make Mm -hmm. a name for themselves and find other success.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing that you had that support, especially I could just imagine what that would be like for your sister. Like to go through that and the fact that she still supported you and didn't like she could become resentful of you right like if you surpassed her and like but Mm -hmm. that just obviously goes to show her character and who she is as a person um but yeah I do remember when she made the games I wasn't actually at the meet I was watching it like on a tv um Mm -hmm. and yeah that was really cool you guys were both like waiting for the results and then it was like yes and then yeah so that's I mean, and then yeah. everyone in the building was crying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I'm not sure many people who have been able to say that they got to go to the Olympics with their sister. So that's really special and obviously really amazing for your parents, who obviously, I'm assuming, devoted a lot of their life to swimming. Which most, I don't want to say a lot of swim parents do, but a lot of swim parents do who who yeah. want to see their kids go quite far. It's like it becomes their life as well, right? For sure. For sure.
1: They were just so like enthralled. And I, I, like I said, my mom could never uh, spout out my, my best time if you asked her today or back then, but she sat in the stands through every race and, and wouldn't have missed a moment, but it was at that point, it was just about how badly they wanted it for us. And like Mm -hmm. you mentioned that story about my dad from when we were younger, I think he it's funny, actually, if you ask my dad, what he's, um, his like proudest athletic cross country race I did when I was like, um, like 12 or 13, which mm-hmm. like I, went, I went to two Olympics. I won multiple NCAA titles and that's the one he picks. But to me, it's like my favorite thing of all, because he said it was in that moment. He knew I was, I was going to be able, I would never give up. And it was like a small mm-hmm. race where I was like going, I had tried to pass this girl in the last lap of this cross country race, which I'm not a runner, but apparently in this one day I was, and I tried, he just said, he's like, you turned the first corner and you failed. You turned the second corner and you failed. And then somehow on that last corner, you the, like you passed her and won the race. And I, again, it's one of those, like in story you told, I don't remember it as fondly as he does, but the fact that out of all the things I've achieved him knowing that. I was never going to give up on a dream mm-hmm. and kind of push my body um, is all you have to hear from your parents.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just the support piece that you need and them kind of lifting you up when you're down and then knowing exactly when to kind of like push you a little bit further. But also, it's you want their like validation, but if you don't do well, then you don't want them to feel disappointed either. Right. So, it's right. it's tricky to find parents who can understand the sport correctly, but also know how to support you in the right way. So right. that obviously has a lot to do with your success. For sure. Yeah. So what, like I, from like, you have this own su- support system. You have like, obviously your teammates, you have amazing coaches. I mean, you go to Georgia, you have amazing teammates. I'm guessing through Swimming Canada, you also have a lot of support. But, like, at the end of the day, when it's just you, do you still feel like you have so much pressure? Like, do you? Did you feel like you had a lot of pressure on yourself? Like, I can't imagine being at the level you were at. Like, the level I was at was already, like, hard enough and was, like, tough for me to get through. And I didn't have, like, the country's pressure or, like, any of that when it came to, like, the Olympics or competing for Canada. So was there more behind the scenes that people didn't know about or didn't see
1: yeah absolutely I think um you know as much as like any career I had highs and lows um the the first chunk of it was now looking back it was pretty smooth you know going into my Mm -hmm. first Olympics everything was was bright and shiny and new and it like I said any results I would have had probably at those games would have been a an exciting one but mm-hmm. I was still like I was going best times every time I swam so yeah. I, I was naked and it was great and my Olympic experience was great um but then my time the next couple years got you know really high and really low um I had this weird like on year off year pattern so my freshman and junior year so first and third year I was riddled with injuries and struggling and didn't swim that well Um, and then my sophomore and senior so um, second and fourth year were you know lights out best times great performances world class all that stuff so Mm -hmm. um, navigating those highs with the lows um, was always kind of a learning experience I wish I knew exactly you know the the recipe for success through those dark times. But I think by the time, you know, not to go into too much detail about all those other things, the time my second Olympics came around, um, I was in a really dark place and I had, um, you know, the world at my fingertips. I was in the best training shape I had ever been. Mm-hmm. I was surrounded by exceptional people in my life. I was improving rapidly. But I think one of the biggest things is I put, I luckily didn't have that feeling of, you know, the pressure of a nation. Although I, I really, I intrinsically just set these lofty, lofty expectations Mm -hmm. of myself that um, were really heavy. And so because you put hours and days and months and years of, like cumulative work into these dreams. I think I was realizing that this second Olympics was probably going to be my last. And with that came like any dream you've ever wanted. And for me, it was an Olympic medal Um, was was within reach. And so once it was within reach, I think you get into these phases or this understanding of, instead of like striving for a goal, it's really easy to fall into that fear of failure. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um. So instead of like looking towards what you could achieve, it starts to weigh on you of like, but what if I don't get there? Yeah. And you, like I said, I was, I was training better than I ever had. I was, um, I was in the best shape of my life. I had mm-hmm. what I thought worked on my mental health, but I think it was almost too late by the time I realized that I wasn't doing well mm-hmm. um, and going into the second Olympics the very first day i i had my best my but what i consider my best event which was the foreigner freestyle and Mm -hmm. i realistically going into that race was like i have potential to be an olympic medalist in this race and the weight of that was was exceptional um -hmm. i i really thought like i could do it and so i'm from the outside looking in you trained really hard you believed in yourself yeah. all the good things are falling into place. Um, but again, those that don't know the sport that well, like it comes down to one race and one race only. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's almost even heavier when you know, you've put the work in and you have one shot to make your dreams become a reality. And mm-hmm. I mean, but in saying that there was a lot of other situations in my career that I navigated that well, I think it was just all coming to, a. Uh, a, a final stretch, mm-hmm. now that it was knowing it was going
0: to be my last. Yeah, um, it was like all that pent up pressure. Right. And like this, like this was your ultimate goal. It's like all those years leading up to this point, like you're like the metal, that's the ultimate goal. And this is it right here. And this, yeah, that it's that's it's where terrible, you can start like replaying, like it, you can just spiral in your mind, honestly. And right. And I went into every practice like
1: I was really I was a I was what I considered kind of like one of your training work courses. like I was I would go into every practice thinking about that one goal like
0: I, mm-hmm. I was like that oh, fueled you into, like what yeah. I ate yeah what yeah. I ate that
1: morning what I was doing and, and like every single practice I was you know I never let myself have a have an off day I rarely like was kind to myself or you know eased into things it was all for this one moment and so as much as it sounds really like full of myself to say I like earned that moment but I I, at the time I did believe like I had earned Mm -hmm. my spot there and then yeah you kind of go through um anyway so that first race as you can probably imagine did not go as planned um and then the next day I started not feeling great I still have this weird um like I guess not intuition, but I sometimes think too. our bodies when you're mentally Mm -hmm. are struggling, they kind of
0: physically start breaking on you. So,
1: um,
0: going into the, our uh, bodies are really um, smart. Unfortunately, they know when they can't handle it anymore.
1: Right. So I then went to, I had a few other races, luckily, which not everyone gets another chance, but I did. And the Canadian swimming team was doing exceptional. Mm Um, so going in, I had, a relay, uh, the four by two in a freestyle relay. And mm-hmm. for that race, um, I knew like I actually had one other individual race after that, but I was, uh, I was pretty real with myself to know that like this relay was my shot. We had yeah. a group of girls that were swimming very well. The likes of, you know, Penny Alexiak and Taylor mm-hmm. Rock um, who were, who were uh, yeah on fire. And so mm-hmm. I knew that was my chance. Um, I woke up the morning of that race, and I had spiked a really high fever. And so I remember going to the doctors and like at the Olympics, you kind of have like a mini hospital, but you also have like little individual rooms that each therapist works out of. And so I asked, I was like, this was pre-COVID, thank goodness, because now I'm thinking like if i a fever and you'd be gone out of the village I would have been (laughs) but at the time it was just like okay you're not feeling well what do we do um so anyways I went to the doctor that day and they called the coaches and there was a decision made to take me off the uh prelim and that day was such a I yeah I still don't know truly how I got through it or how Mm -hmm. I navigated it I think it was the biggest mental battle I had faced. um, But I worked way too hard to completely give in. And that was when I realized how strong I was. Um, I was not feeling well. And I Mm -hmm. was, you know, I I later found out that day, once I got home and I was still sick weeks later, I actually had pneumonia. Mm -hmm. So it was arguably the physically sickest I had ever been. And add that to the, the kind of weight that I was carrying. But I spent... You know, I knew those were the, going to be the last four laps right. of, of career, and so instead of looking at it as like, "Oh my gosh, this is my last chance," and those those thoughts definitely wait wait on a little, but it was more just like, "Okay, this is any other day." I remember like I went into my room and I watched like an episode of Friends or something instead mm-hmm. of watching the because I was like, "Just make me yeah, laugh or at yeah. me for a little." Um, and then I just, I met my relay teammates, went to the pool, luckily my fever broke and I was feeling better and they decided to put me on the race. And, um, I just, I, I really just tried to go through the motion. So many of us as mm-hmm. athletes, like you've done this so many times in the past. So as much as I physically wasn't feeling it, I was like, if I like, again, cause your body's really smart. I was like, yeah. if I can, if I can trick my body into four laps better than they, like, I held it together for, for those four laps. And, luckily uh the story ends positively but um Mm -hmm. it does continue in the sense that that night i reached the olympic podium and you know i think as much as it's a forever career highlight and i i don't remember the podium much because i was so sick they had to like hold me up Mm -hmm. um and the next day talk about parent support but at that olympics i think every day i cried in my parents arms and some days it was happy tears maybe the day i won the medal it was happy tears but the other um, six days, it was, it was sadness and it was struggle and it was heartbreak and it was all of those feelings. And the night I won my medal, I, I couldn't sleep because of course I just won an Olympic medal, but I also was so overwhelmed with, I physically wasn't feeling well. I mentally was trying to figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. And the next morning I remember calling my mom mm-hmm. and I held my Olympic medal, like, cause you physically, you know, you have the medal there. And I looked at it. And you know, you have this dream your whole life and you think that you think that this will literally change everything. And Mm -hmm. and I wake up the next day, obviously still not feeling well, but realizing that I'm the same person I was yesterday. And Mm -hmm. I think I said to my mom, I, I almost felt like empty looking down at it. And I remember calling my mom and I said, I was like, Mom, I don't think I'm okay. And she said, I said I think I I either said I think I'm depressed or I think I'm struggling or something along those yeah. lines. And she she replied back and said, or I think I need help. And she said I know, and I think as a mother and as a parent and as someone who's also been like pretty open about their mental health as well, that she's watched my, you know, the ups and downs. She's yeah. seen, she held me as I've cried. She's you know, been kind of my rock in that space. And so for her to just quickly say, like, I know, I was like, oh, well, okay. And she said, but you have to, you know, like you had to know on your own and you had to go at your own pace and you had oh, to yeah. navigate this. You had to navigate this for you. And obviously also the weight of what she knew I was going through. And like, um, and I just so vividly remember that moment of like looking down at my metal, feeling not fulfilled or mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to say worth- I don't want to say worthless because I feel like that's a little bit dramatic but in a sense it was it's- that like one thing that I thought was going to provide me the most exceptional um level of like elation or yeah, of- yeah, I-, yeah. I just I could not tangibly know what that moment once you get there is like and in that I think it was just uh, a rush of all of the work I had put in and mm-hmm. after that moment um I had one more race to swim as you can imagine it didn't go very well um and then I went home I I started back with a therapist and and I think a lot of athletes talk about the post-olympic depression and since I had what I consider a pre-olympic depression I yeah. was really aware of what the post-olympic depression could look like right um so I, on a in a sense, I was able to get on top of it because I was already mm-hmm.
0: you're already it. there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So unfortunately, that
1: part that part was um, nice to find that awareness. But that that Olympic moment, honestly, to this day, it is. I'm so I'm so proud of my Olympic medal, but I have to look at it as a big picture. I look at mm-hmm. my Olympic medal as accumulation of. Everything I achieved from those provincials at the Olympium when I was 10 years old to being a team captain at the University of Georgia to winning my NCAA titles yeah. like to me, being an Olympic medalist is a title I will never take for granted, but my physical Olympic medal um, continues to gain value when I get to, you know, share it with a group of young kids or bring it to mm-hmm. my local club team or Um, share it with family and friends, honestly, because they, it's a tangible showing of success, whereas you could be an Olympian your whole life. And what's really sad about it. And I, I witness it daily is that if so many people, when you say, Oh, I went to the Olympics. Oh, are you like, did you win gold or whatever that might be? So um, having that tangible view of success, I can't pretend like that has not changed anything, but what I will say is that it continues to gain value for me. Because in that moment, it did not give me what I thought it would, if that makes sense.
0: Totally makes sense. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that. Because this is a lot of what happens to so many athletes, no matter what their sport is, when they're chasing something for so long. They hit it and then they're like, this is it. And honestly, this can happen for anybody in any situation right like in any part of your life like you're chasing a goal you hit it and then you're like well what's next like it's like you're you're finding you're it's the whole example of like I will be happy when this happens I'll be happy when this happens I'll be happy when this happens and then you hit it and you're not happy and then you're like well shit what do I do now (laughs) but for you it's it's a little different because that's not how you pictured when I'm assuming this, like just yes. because I know that's not how you pictured winning right. or receiving an Olympic medal, like you right. probably envisioned it like in a solo event, solo right. individual, individual, um, yeah, and feeling just like you I would say this like for anyone, especially in sports, is that you almost have to fantasize what it's gonna be like to get to that moment, right? Like you you visualize yourself there. You I mean, this is like what a lot of athletes do in techniques. Like you visualize yourself getting through the ways, you visualize how you're gonna feel, you visualize the whole day, basically. And for you, you spent years upon years visualizing getting that medal and created kind of this like image in your mind that you work towards. Like as you said, every single day was for that, right? So mm-hmm. you work towards that. And then once you received a medal, not in the way that you visualized, it was like, oh. Right. Yeah, it was it, that it, feeling. It
1: was like, yeah. It almost feels like, in a sense, because I had this thought of an individual event and I, I knew I had multiple chances and all this stuff. But you get in your head about like, I I took the, in a sense, like the easy way. Out. Not that I took it because I didn't really have a choice, but yes. to the realize there's like a stigma behind the fact that I was there like, is. oh, I have this individual shot. And I pictured myself like swimming into the wall and touching up and looking yeah, and, and, and seeing
0: and on the board. The, yeah. You know, the yeah. the yeah. Maggie yeah. McNeil,
1: yeah. the Penny moments yeah. where they look. Like, I can't believe it. Everyone envisions,
0: yeah. Those moments where you just turn and look and you're like, oh my God, that's me. Like, I went that fast. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, like honestly, people people get that like a a couple of times in their career. And when you do get that, like, you never forget that, but then you're chasing that all the time. So, right. And
1: I had, I was so fortunate in my career to have had those moments on different stages, not at the Olympics. Um, Yeah. You know, I out touched some, some really incredible. A swimmers and I have mm-hmm. those like inflation moments. So I
0: right.
1: I think because that, like you said, yeah. you were almost an addiction and you're chasing yes. it. So I knew I wasn't going to be an Olympic champion, which sounds bad, but I, and I, cause I always tell everyone, I'm like, don't ever think that you're counting, ca- don't count yourself out of the race. But I was swimming with Katie Ledecky and who was just arguably, a, right. a, 10 second, a yeah, yeah, just like so much on a different level. Um, but I, I wanted to race her and I wanted to stay with her and I wanted to um, put together the, like I had one, like I had four minutes to put together the thing I had done practiced every single day. And so Mm -hmm. that really, as much as, you know, it's still a check in the box when you looked like now, 20 years from now, no one's going to notice which race I did it in or how I did it and know what it took to get there, but I'm just going to be, you know, an Olympic medalist. And then, but for me in those days, it was like, okay, yeah, I was, I did hit this, but I did not, it did not look the way Mm -hmm. I thought it would. And so that that weighs on you a little bit as well.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the thing that like years after you still have to work through kind of the what ifs, right. And that can happen a lot. And that's kind of where I'm assuming like when you went into therapy after the Olympics, that was kind of probably an area that you focused on and just kind of learning how to navigate like your thoughts and just getting back on track but what was it like figuring out when it was time for you to retire because it was not long after that right
1: right yeah so um I think I was pretty confident by that 800 which was the next day that that was Mm -hmm. my last race okay Um, which is kind of sad actually because looking in sport I mean, no one really gets to pick their, you know, not many mm-hmm. get to choose how they go out.
0: Yeah. Or,
1: I mean, not many control the narrative. But I um, I did end on a not so great note. If you look mm-hmm. at the competition, that was another big thing I struggled with, not to get too off course. But when I came home, you know, it was massive. Everyone just uh, celebrating you and, mm. you know, to, like the local town wanted to everyone wanted to come by yeah. our house everyone's so proud and that's great but when I looked at the meat as a lot of us do as a swimmer you know it's how you look at it like fully and I was so defeated and and uh struggling so that part was Mm -hmm. hard for me at first too to like accept that everyone wanted to celebrate me when I was like why are you celebrating me I failed really in my head yeah um but to your initial question I uh, there was a lot of factors one was um definitely mental health. I knew Mm -hmm. I wanted to leave on my own terms. And I honestly, I, I love this sport. It gave me the best friends in the world. It gave me a travel. I traveled the world with this sport. I achieved, like I said, lifelong dreams. I was given opportunities I could never dreamed of. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't want to look back and like resent the time I had spent. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to stay involved. I wanted to mentor young kids and like say, you know what, this is so fun. And See the joy in it, and I noticed myself right. going down this really negative path. Yeah. Um. I also had I was like I said I was on and off with injuries, and the year before the Olympic year, um, was a really tough one for me. I barely made it to Olympic year, so knowing that mm-hmm. like I was I was holding on by a thread. Um, yeah. my body needed quite a bit of a break, and I swam you know distance races, so it wasn't like I could kind of cut back on training and figure right. out yeah harder. It was like it required. 110% of me and so if i was only able to give 100% of me i just did not feel like that was fair mm-hmm. um and lastly was just the realistic side i was graduating for university i was not making money in the sport and so when i looked at do i want to chase a dream another 4 years barely yeah. make ends financially and then enter the work um the working world so much later than my peers or do i want to graduate start fresh have find a career I'm passionate about and, you know, start making a living for myself. And so those were the key factors, but I mean, like I said, I have no regrets in doing it. Some days I see, you know, these athletes that are, you know, 30 chasing these dreams and I'm, I'm, I'm so, and I admire them so deeply. Um, But I also, am so happy with the life I live now. So it, Mm. I don't really have that envy. I love staying involved, but I'm very glad that I, I left when I did.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great because yeah, swimming is a really hard sport to do if you're if you hate it. Like. Right. And that's I mean, I don't really talk about swimming anymore or have anything related to swimming cuz I didn't end swimming on a very good note. Um mm-hmm. so I like kind of shut that world out of my mind and life for a long time. Um right. but like if I see anyone I'm like or if people think about putting their kids in swimming I'm like the second they don't like it like don't push them because it's such right. a hard sport and that's when it does take a mental toll like if you're right. not equipped to like help them support them through that then that's when it gets really tough on the person and they they'll just keep going through the motions and it will just get harder and harder so i'm really happy to hear that you ended it like on your terms obviously you right. as you said you didn't and like have your last race the way that you would like but most people don't um a lot of people end on injury or a lot of people end when like obviously after an olympic year or something like that um mm-hmm. but what was it like once you stopped swimming because i'm assuming for you swimming was your identity for a long time that's who you were you mm-hmm. were a swimmer, and obviously everybody knew you as that. So, what was the transition like for you, stopping swimming and then kind of figuring out, well, who am I now? Was that tough?
1: Yeah, I think. Well, in one sense, I still think I am Brittany the swimmer. Like, there's yeah. a lot of different. Because worlds. yeah, probably because you're I so involved
0: in, with like the I mean, Olympics. Right. So. I, yeah.
1: I've, I've stayed very involved, um, and I, I work in sports, so it's. It's definitely a a thing I keep very close to my heart and and constantly um I value. I really have a firm belief in you know, whether you are a provincial level swimmer or a national teamer or wherever you got to, I think swimming instills like every life skill that I mm-hmm. take into my daily. I, I really believe in um the discipline, the time management, the um the work ethic, all the camaraderie, all of those things um I I I have so much to give. Uh, so much, I guess, yeah, I'm just so grateful for what I was given. But on that note, I think my transition, I was fortunate a little bit in terms of timing because I had one more semester, which I extended to a full year um, at school. Mm -hmm. So I was able to keep some levels of what I was used to. And then it was almost like easing my way out. So I was right. still around the same people. I was in my college town. Right. I was helping on the deck. Uh, like I did some stuff with the coaches. I was studying sport management. So I was like my, um my like internship with the degree I did, like I helped with management of the team a little bit and my, mm-hmm. my, my social group change. i uh, sorry. My social group was the same because I think a lot of times if you're like cutting that chapter, you also, and all your friends are also moving on. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of, I, tr- I, um, it was step-by-step step for me, yeah. which is nice. So then I started getting used to, um, yeah, not having to train. I think the hardest part for me and, and I think when I'm still navigating is fitness, um, yeah. and like a healthy, a healthy balance, mm-hmm. um, food and fitness and figuring out, um, yeah, I guess balance is the best word, but what makes the most sense, um, now that I'm not a high performance athlete, and then, um, but yeah, so I dove, I kept myself busy while still keeping a few things that were familiar, which was really nice, and I started mm-hmm. right away in therapy, um, something that I, I also went on medication right away, and I was actually, and I'm still on it, and mm-hmm. I'm very open about talking about it, because I think there's such a stigma behind, you yeah. Um, being on medication. And I understand that it doesn't work for everyone, or it's not a fit for everyone. But I myself always used to feel very less than because I I needed, quote, needed to resort to um, being on medication. But even just recently, I was talking about whether I try to wean off and someone I was someone that I very close to me that I trust said, you know, if you're doing really well, it's not affecting you negatively. And this is something that um, is helping you, then why Mm -hmm. would you need? And I think that was a nice reminder of like, you always constantly are being told like, you're only on medication for this, or don't do this, or don't do that. Mm -hmm. And so I've been able to very much accept like, if this is something that helps keep me happy and balanced, then why Mm -hmm. wouldn't I continue it? Um, But yeah, I've stayed very involved in sport, which is one thing that I think there's two sides of a spectrum. Like you were mentioning some people very much need to disconnect. And I really, I really, really admire and, um, and understand that level. I have a ton of friends that have done that. And like, I'll quickly send them a link about an NCAA result. And they're like, Oh shoot, they're happening this weekend. Like I, and that's amazing. Like I, mm-hmm. that if that's what works for you and you need to separate yourself. I, I fully understand it Um, but I have so much joy for the sport which I think is a great thing too so I've stayed connected and involved and found other ways to stick around so that's Mm -hmm. helped me I think which it definitely does not help everyone um, because you can very easily get down a rabbit hole of like oh, they're achieving what I always wanted to or yeah, why yeah. gives me PTSD or- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I still, when a, uh, when a heat's happening and they're like lining up behind the blocks before they get on the blocks, like the anxiety that gives yeah. me um, knowing that their whole race is still ahead of them, like that never leaves you, I don't think. But mm-hmm. it's also such a niche, um, like so few people can understand what it was like to live that life. And so I yeah. love surrounding myself with, um yeah the people that
0: get it awesome that's amazing yeah I know I don't know many people that are still uh I guess people like who want to stay involved in swimming kind of end up do end up coaching and stuff like that but you're what are you doing now actually
1: yeah actually I started a new job a few weeks ago um I work at CBC sports now yeah. on the media side so um if you hear my voice or see my name, I am doing some color commentary and analyst work for swimming. Um, mm-hmm. but my actual day job is more on like athlete and NSO, which is national sports, national sport organization, uh, services. So a lot of the just logistics behind the scenes mm-hmm. of all the athlete requests that happen, uh, in the world of media. So across all Olympic sports. So that is across country, across all Olympic sports. So I've gotten to meet very incredible people mm-hmm. and, um, learned so much about all of these sports that I had Mm -hmm. no background on. And previously to this role, I was doing a similar job at the Canadian Olympic committee. So I had started along the lines of, of this trajectory, but it's nice to like, you were talking about earlier, just throw yourself sometimes into something new and Mm -hmm. find a new challenge and, and chase a new goal. So that's what I'm currently up to.
0: Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome that you get to connect with other athletes as well. Yeah. it's really cool neat well I feel like that's a really good point to end our conversation um before we say goodbye do have some rapid fire questions to end with so we ask the same question to every guest um and basically just like whatever pops up let that be can be like one word one sentence whatever um but yeah the first question is what is something you do that makes you feel good
1: Oh, um, wow. Sorry. Normally I should be rapid. I'm not firing at all. Something (laughs) that makes me feel good. Probably, uh, move my body. Honestly, I, as much as, you know, I said, I'm still navigating that Mm -hmm. relationship. Um, that's that feeling of the, the pride that I feel in movement, um, Mm -hmm. it's with me. So that's what I would probably say.
0: Yeah. Uh, what is something you value oh it's
1: got to be the people in my life um mm-hmm. my family specifically to like long distance friendships that have mm-hmm. stayed the test of time some of my closest friends I met through swimming um mm-hmm. are all from all over but when we do get to reconnect it's like no time has passed so definitely value friendship
0: mm-hmm. I was like, you're going to either pick family or friends. I knew that. (laughs) Uh, What is something you want to let go of? Um,
1: The guilt I feel when taking a break. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I think I really struggle with taking a day off of the gym or not hitting all the things on my to-do list or, um, yeah, just taking it easy every once in a while. So, and I know that's only going to get harder when more things pile up in my life, but I've been working a lot on releasing from some of the guilt and letting myself, mm-hmm. um, speed.
0: yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. And especially yeah. kind of the world that you used to live in, it's, you don't get to do that. So it does take a while to kind of rewire everything. That's for sure. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. What is something you're, working on so it can be like personal career anything
1: oh something I'm working on
0: um well next
1: week we have the there's national championships for swimming so at this exact moment I'm working on some of the preparation I'm doing the color commentary um but also something I'm working I'm planning a wedding right now so that's a fun one Mm. um so yeah I get married in a little over a year so in terms of what I'm working on outside of work that's been a fun little project that's fun <laughs>
0: yeah that's really fun and different <laughs> super For exciting sure. okay your last question is how do you want to be remembered
1: Ooh. um when I was an athlete I always would have answered that to be the most hardworking in the room mm-hmm. um it's still a part of me really holds on to that, which is probably coming back to one of those questions about balance and making mm-hmm. and it easy because I, I take a lot of pride and um, kind of earning everything that I set out to achieve. But nowadays I would also kind of adjust that to being a safe place. I think mm-hmm. I want to be the friend and the, and the colleague and the acquaintance that people feel like they can talk to and um, that will listen. I'm, Sometimes someone that talks more than I listen, but Mm -hmm. I uh, I really do I value being someone that people want to come to. Mm,
0: Yeah, that's really nice. I think you have that energy as well. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is that when everyone when I ask people these questions and the last question of how they want to be remembered, everyone is like already kind of presenting that whenever I talk to them or if I know them already. So. Yeah, you have a very like bubbly energy and like from whatever I can remember of you, you were just kind of like really nice, like easygoing and approachable. So
1: thank you. Yeah. So
0: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you're already doing that. So you're good. (laughs) Thank Um, you. Well, anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to do this and sharing part of your story. And even if people aren't athletes or used to swim, I think they'll be able to take components out of this to kind of relate to it in their own life. There's certain things, especially kind of like chasing those high moments. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate you doing this and coming on here and chatting with me. And I guess like, if people want to find you, they can find you on Instagram, right? If they want to yeah, connect. I'm not you. one of
1: those like, but I was like, say um my instagram um (laughs) would be i believe it's brit underscore mac three um yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm not a TikToker yet. Maybe I'll become one one of these days. <laughs> um, but I also every once in a while, I keep my Twitter, not more professional, but I love sharing like swimming things and sport things. Um, that's B underscore McLean. But the Instagram is more
0: just like my life and who I am and what I'm up to. So yeah. Yeah. And then obviously, just listen out for Brittany's voice if you listen to anything swimming related, because yeah. usually she's the one there. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Well, thank Thank you you so much for your time. And I loved uh,
0: getting to chat. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Today's episode with Brittany. I hope you loved it and were able to kind of learn a little bit about the in and outs of being an athlete, being an Olympic athlete, and kind of the toll it has on your body mentally and physically. Um, I actually told Brittany after we had a conversation when we were done recording that I used to be so intimidated by her when we were racing each other and just kind of like in probably uh, late teens, early 20s because she was so fast. I was just not at that level. Obviously, we do kind of have a pass with each other from racing each other when we were younger, um, but I never made it to any of the levels that she did. So it's really cool to be able to have a conversation with her now years later. But anyway, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, you can always reach out. And if you love the podcast, I would so much appreciate if you could like, subscribe, and leave a review. Alrighty, we'll see you next week.